0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we are going through all things DraftKings Main Slate DFS season here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And As always, for this edition, I am joined by none other than PFF own Andrew Erickson, the prop prophet himself. Andrew, happy week 13, my friend.
1: 2-0 last week, 2-0. <laughs> uh, feeling good, feeling good. Enter into the uh, the twilight of the fantasy football season, December. Again, we were talking before we got on here. You know, I don't even know what day it is half the time anymore. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday. Who knows? Uh, all I know is, is it's football time.
0: <laughs> it is football time, and it's Thursday. So we're It's Friday for you listening to this, but it's Thursday for us, so we're going to be talking DFS. I was actually, Andrew, telling you this before the show, but uh, I was thinking about, I love this episode. I love DFS. I got my start uh, in this industry at Fantasy Lab, so I've always had a soft spot for it, and I think it's fun. So we're always going to be giving you guys some DFS analysis, but I was thinking about converting this episode into a little bit more mismatch-centered, um, and then also kind of bringing in DFS around that towards the end. Thought it might be more applicable to the casual football fan in addition to all you DFS degenerates out there. So if you guys have any thoughts on that, feel free, let me know, DM me. Just be kind of nice. We're trying to keep the positive vibes good out there. And that is that. But Andrew, we'll focus on the prize at the moment right now. And that is getting everybody a winning cash lineup and hopefully some good tournament plays as well we will kick things off with the cash games as always talking about head-to-heads 50 50s the type of games where we don't care so much about ownership percentages we're just trying to take down the guy in front of us or finish ahead of about 50 percent of the field so This is one of the first weeks, Andrew, where I didn't see a quarterback that I was just in love with to begin with um, going through the whole group. I think Brady at 7,200 against the Falcons makes a lot of sense. He has absolutely decimated them in their first three meetings. There's no Antonio Brown still, so we're able to fairly easy, uh, you know, get his top one or two targets in Goblin. And Mike Evans can also get Rob Gronkowski if you want to be a maniac and not take the uh, free cheap chalk that is Foster Moreau. But I do... I can't help myself but look further down the scale and see Tua sitting there at 5,500. I think the big goal this week is going to be to save as much money as we can to get up at the running back position. What are your thoughts on who you want to roll with that quarterback, though?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that you're right. You know, you hit the nail on the head. Like, this week is way different than last week in terms of just, like, the slate. You know, you mentioned the tight ends. Like, last week <laughs> last week was literally so terrible except for Jack Doyle. Like, he was the guy. I know we mentioned him last week, but we, we didn't, you know, press it hard enough. Cause, again, it was a bad process to
0: go with Doyle. I don't even care about that.
1: <laughs> but this week, there's just, like, a plethora of options. Again, ton of great running back plays. Um, And there's really no one that really sticks out at at quarterback. Like you mentioned, Brady, like he's in a really great spot. He's projected to have the highest roster ship because he's playing the Atlanta Falcons. And it's just a matchup. He just like totally smashes every single time. You have Hertz playing there who at 7K, we usually just kind of like jam in against the New York Jets. But he has this ankle thing that he's dealing with. So will he be limited in the running game? Like that's just a question mark. Just like, all right, you know, we just we're trying to get away from as many concerns as possible in, in cash games. So. Uh, you know, even like, Hertz is kind of you know a question mark there. And, and honestly, you know, as we kind of talk about paying down at quarterback, I know you mentioned Tua. Like, I think that's okay. I, I think I like would probably want to spend up even like someone like a Carson Wentz. Um, at 6100 so he's playing the houston texans you know he's been really consistent pretty much all season long like he hasn't had a lot of ceiling games but he hasn't really had many floor games like he's finished as a top five quarterback in four of his last or in two of his last four games played this season so he has flashed it a little bit and as we talk about obviously playing like a running back like jonathan taylor i actually looked at okay so if you play jonathan taylor and carson wentz together like what are you kind of like banking and you're banking almost like 40 fantasy points like they've averaged 44 fantasy points per game together since week four, I believe, basically when they started to finally unleashed Jonathan Taylor. So it's like, for me, if I'm looking for the most secure floor, it's like I know that the Colts are going to score points on the Texans one way or another. Now, obviously, the in the in one range of outcomes, it's kind of that Fournette thing where Fournette scores all the points and then Bray doesn't get there. So, you know, that's, I don't think that will happen with Jonathan Taylor and Wentz, but if something like that does happen, you just kind of want to bank home as many points as you can. So I don't think that playing Wentz, who's not expensive, he's at 6,100, and playing James and Taylor, playing them together, it's like, all right, I'm going to lock in the points. I don't really care who scores. Like I know one of them will, and that's kind of uh, the approach I was looking at.
0: So if you go Wentz, you wouldn't even be looking to stack him with Michael Pittman. You'd just be going with him and then paying up to Jonathan Taylor?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I think that Pittman is still, like, a good play, so I don't think that you need to necessarily shy away from it. I, I think that we sometimes get shy away from, like, oh, I don't want to play too many Colts players, but it's like, well, I mean, they are playing the Texans, so it's like maybe it's not like sure. it's not a terrible strategy, especially because Pittman's still not, he's not expensive, so he's still, like, probably too cheap, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Pittman. Now, you know, I was on him back-to-back weeks as a tournament play, and now he's becoming a chalk potential cash play. I think I might just have a pivot off him, but more on that later. Brady at 7,200 if you can get there, if you want to go down further. Again, I think Tua, just with all the pass attempts, they rack up and he really hasn't shown much of a floor either, albeit hasn't always had the best ceiling. And Carson Wentz, yes, you do have the concerns about the overall pass game volume. But man, oh man, like I was looking at some of it uh, because this year only Stafford has more completions over 40 yards downfield than Wentz. I mean, that deep ball he's been dropping really throughout the year has been fantastic. Texans are a bottom two defense and almost everything you want to look at in terms of facing that deep ball. So that's kind of what happened the first time they met up. Carson, you know, wasn't really throwing the piss out of the ball, but he didn't actually need that many throws to hit big plays to Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, among others. Good thoughts there. Looking at running back. All right. As things stand right now, it could open up where if Daryl Henderson ends up being out, we're going to have Sonny Michelle uh, really rising to the top of these ranks. But otherwise, we have Jamal Williams at 5.4K. There are some guys in the 6K range that I think are fine. We also need to keep an eye on JD McKissick. If he's rolled out, Antonio Gibson's going to rise up these ranks as well. But Andrew, more than anything, man, I just want these running backs that are costing more than 7K. You can even throw my guy at 7K, Cordero Patterson, in that group. But to have Leonard Fournette at just 7300 Madison, who, yeah, he's priced up this week, 7600 Still facing the Lionstone every now and back. Then we got Najee mixing against the Chargers. Eckler against the Bengals. Jonathan Taylor against the Texans. How do we pick between these guys? Because as badly as I do want to go all the way up to Jonathan Taylor, it is tempting to just say, hey, I can probably get the same amount of touches as Taylor is getting with Madison, with Fournette. Maybe not the same quality matchups, but hey, man, if we can save almost two grand on that, it might be worth it.
1: Yeah, no there's so many you're like I want to play all running backs this all week. All of them. All <laughs> of them. <laughs> it's like no you can only play 3. Come on DraftKings, let's play more running backs. Running backs matter here in week 13. But for me it's like I look at Jonathan Taylor, he's playing the Texans I'm like, you know what? Uh you know, this is a, like a spot where he rushes for like 200 yards and if if I don't play this guy in cash, yeah. like if I don't play Jonathan Taylor against the Houston Texans, like what am I doing? So I, I still think that he's worth going up towards and again you mentioned it like there are a couple spots where you can save salary so i think running back is really where i think it is appropriate to splurge and i do think that some of the 7k running backs that you had mentioned that are on lower on the total pool. i think there are more outs um where they necessarily don't hit their ceiling look Fournette had a, a massive game last week but you know the couple games before that like he wasn't you know seeing over 20 fantasy points per game like it was brady in the passing game so you know it's not crazy to think that They just go back to the passing game against the Atlanta Falcons as they start to kind of get heated up for the playoff run. So, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is still the focal point of the Colts offense. You know, he's number one in fantasy points per game uh, at running back. So, I just, I mean, I I would just want to play him more than anything. So, I like Taylor up at that price. I'm willing to pay for it. And then with Madison, I don't know if, if you guys have hit on this with Dwayne and yourself. But, I mean, Madison, should he be even better now that there's no Amir Abdullah, like, in in Uh, the fold? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, so I think that's something that it's like, okay, like, Madison, like, he's a backup, but it's like, dude, like, he wasn't even running all the routes, like, when he was the starter. Like, his ceiling could be even higher in this matchup um, against the Detroit Lions defense. It's actually kind of, like, overdue to give up more rushing touchdowns. If you look at what the Lions have done this season, they've given up a lot of rushing yards, but really not as many rushing touchdowns as you think. And it's because you look back, it's like, We've played a lot of running backs against the Lions, like, oh, smash spot, like, including last week with David Montgomery, and they just didn't fire because they just didn't find the end zone. So I don't think that's going to be a problem here for Madison because if you look at the Vikings, they're overdue. You know, Dalvin Cook had been running, like, in the red. It's like, right, he's got, like, 30 red zone attempts and, like, zero touchdowns. Like, what's going on? So we could see Alexander Madison really hit uh, pay dirt a little bit more than Dalvin Cook. So I think that those are the two guys I'm kind of, like, honing in on as, like, paying up for. And then, like you had mentioned, like, Jamal Williams is is the cheapest guy to, to plug in there. But I'm fine with not playing, like, Jamal Williams at all if I if Gibson is, like, the bell cow back. Like, I get that Jamal Williams pops up as the, the best value play, but he has a bunch of outs, too, where he could fail pretty easily. And I think that we almost feel, like, sometimes too obligated to, like, oh, we got to play the backup running back, like, no matter what. It's like, well, if you can play Antonio Gibson for 5700 like, I mean, I'll spend the 300 to get up to him.
0: I think that's fair, going Gibson over... Williams, Yeah, I'm looking at the wide receivers and that's where we got to get to because I don't disagree with anything you're saying with the running backs because we can talk ourselves into probably 10 of these running backs, but yeah, not playing Jonathan Taylor against the Texans is going to be rough when we can save like just, you know, spoiler alert, tight end Foster like We don't need to really go over this uh, that much more, but saving all that money with him at just 2700. And on defense, man, like I wanted to try to get up a little bit, but every time I want to get up at defense, I look at how much fun the lineup can be if I just take the cheapest one. And now here I am wanting to play the Jaguars at just 2,300 once again. So I think that's the tough part. Like what wide receivers do we want to get? Because Andrew, I don't want to get gross at wide receiver. I don't want Josh Reynolds. I don't want these guys (laughs) under 4K. Like that's, I guess that's my overarching point with these running backs. Like I don't think that we need to necessarily go Taylor and Madison so bad that we need to all of a sudden be going with someone like Josh Reynolds so just with the wide receivers for now I am trying to probably stack to a Jalen Waddle if I'm going to go that route still just 6.4 K I mean we're seeing him on the year wide receiver 11 and then in a points per game perspective he's still the wide receiver 17 seems to be peaking at the right time still seeing him as the featured target hog and this offense obviously plenty winnable matchup as well the way that use him we also got Chris Goblin 6.6k seems too cheap Brandon Ayuk at 5.6k without Debo Samuel makes all the sense in the world the one guy though that I keep coming back to is DeAndre Hopkins at just 6.2k not even on purpose like I didn't go through the wide receivers and I was like oh man Hopkins like I need to jam him in there but I had some lineup constructions I had you know 61 or 6 62 or like 64,000 or you know, 100 whatever had that much money left and I was seeing who else I could fill the lineup with and I kept coming back to DeAndre Hopkins because He just had the buy. He missed three weeks before. He seems to be near full health. He's been practicing. And like this dude was over 8K earlier this year, even during his relative like okay stretch where he was producing more as a wide receiver two than as a wide receiver one. He was consistently priced a good $1,500 above where he's at right now. So Andrew, where do you kind of see yourself going a wide receiver? Because again, between that like 5.5 and that 5.6 to 6.6K range between Ayuk and Goblin, I think there's a lot of really valuable options.
1: Yeah, there's like nobody under 5k that you can really play. Like, no. they, like there's like almost unless you're going to dabble in the TY Hilton versus the Texans, like that's <laughs> like really the only thing you can really grasp at like Deshaun, Jack, like there's really no like great plays underneath um a 5k. The only guy that I kind of like is Rashad Bateman at 4.9K just because he's been he's been really efficient and the Steelers' defense is just is a mess. So again, if you want to pay up for like a Lamar Jackson, I think that you could stack him with Rashad Bateman as just like a cheap option to add. But besides that, yeah, like you really have to kind of stay in that 5K to 6K range. I mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Ayuk. I think that makes, I think he's probably my favorite you know, of the mid five k range because there's no Debo Samuel. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty easy to see the script where I mean, he's already been leading the team in targets and routes run over the last four weeks. We saw last year him just absolutely be a monster without Debo Samuel in the lineup for the most of the season. So you know, this was always the play with the 49ers when you know when all three guys are there, it's like uh like someone's gonna get left out. It's like one guy goes down. It's like all right, boom, like here we go. Like those other two guys are gonna eat. So expect Ayuk and Kittle to eat, especially in a good matchup yeah. um, against the Seattle Seahawks. Pitt. um and then like deontay johnson again like i know that we like these cooper cups like those types of receivers but they're so expensive keenan allen it's like dude if you just like want to like lock in 15 targets just like get deontay (laughs) Johnson. like he's like the exact same guy as all those other guys except he just doesn't get priced as much because big ben is his quarterback but it really hasn't mattered that much like yeah just like Don't, like, read too much into the actual, like, targets themselves. Like, this guy just gets open at will. He's Big Ben's favorite target. And, I mean, this Ravens defense, again, is also not that good. Like, it's so weird. Like, when we talk Ravens-Steelers, you think, oh, like, okay, like, two, like, strong defenses going at It's like, it couldn't be farther from the truth this year. Like, both teams are just not the same identity on defense. You know, they're really, their offenses are kind of dictating more of how they play on a week-to-week basis. So, Again, like Deontay Johnson, I think is still. I don't know why he's still like under seven k. I mean, I think he has like, I think he, like his last six games, I believe he has like thirteen targets. Like, so it's just absolutely ridiculous how cheap he is, especially in the full point PPR scoring. So, um, if you're looking for expensive receivers, like Deontay Johnson's probably in a good spot there. You don't have to pay up as much as like Keenan Allen or a Cooper Cup.
0: Deontay, since week one. Nothing worse than a PPR wide receiver 24. I would say that's a pretty good floor to go ahead and have as a wide receiver, even when your quarterback happens to be Big Ben. So yeah, man, I think people should, again, try to stay away from those sub 5K wide receivers. They are awfully gross. And just really pick, you know, pick your fancy between that 5.6, 6.8K range. There's a ton of high-end talents there that should be getting a bunch of condensed targets as well. Andrew, we're back. We got our cheap tight end again, Foster Moreau at twenty seven hundred. It was funny because I, I you know I like to usually start off bottom of this uh, scale and I was going up and I saw our guy, our week two darling, James O'Shaughnessy, <laughs> sitting there at twenty six hundred, and I was like, How come he doesn't have higher projection ownership? Because Foster Moreau cost us a hundred dollars more. No way to get off Foster. He's our guy.
1: Yeah, well, you no. Know, the thing that's great too is like we don't necessarily need to like bury O'Shaughnessy either because he is yeah. he's the late swap guy. Like he's the guy that you're. Oh no, like I'm in a hole. Like what do I do? It's like you got to get off like this 50% roster Foster row onto this Irish tight end that we all love. <laughs> so James O'Shaughnessy, I guarantee, like he'll end up in some of my lineups some way somehow. Uh, come Sunday around you know 4:30 p.m.
0: With the defense. If you can pay up to get Miami, I think it's awesome. They're home against a Giants team that is going to play Daniel Jones with a bad neck. Miami Blitz is more than anyone. Daniel Jones is one of the single worst quarterbacks in the league against the Blitz. Even not against the Blitz. Like This is like captain fumble. Like This is a great situation without any of those factors going into it. With that said, Andrew, you know if it's between like Miami defense or Jacksonville defense, or like going up and get a wide receiver or running back I really like, I'm probably just going to take the cheaper defense
1: yeah i mean i feel like we play the jaguars kind of like every single week and it's it's like it's like they always like seem like they'll do good and they just like actually don't end up scoring any points like every single time but hey you know matthew stafford i mean he's like mr pick six at this point right like all he does is throw pick sixes so hey maybe it is another game where jacksonville can you know return one for a touchdown i do like the uh the football team um so they're at 2500 same as the jets i think Jets were like projecting really well in our PFF projections. But the thing about the football team that I like is I think their defense is actually just getting better since their bye week They've been able to stop, you know, they, they limited Tom Brady. Like, it's not like they've just been a whipping bag. Like they were at the beginning of the season, like allowing like 222 passing yards per game over the last three games. They gave Russ some problems as well. So again, we usually don't like to target defenses in like high scoring games, but I mean, you look at the Raiders football team, projected total, it's at 49.5, we could see some scoring in that game, and the Raiders passed the ball, like, a ton. And, like, that's, I mean, you look at, we all saw the stat line on Thanksgiving, you know, undefeated when Derek Carr throws for 300 yards, like, <laughs> so if they are passing a lot in that game, creates more opportunities for turnovers, so, and also they play in the late window, too. I like playing DSTs, like, in the afternoon, especially, like, in tournaments, because it gives you the luxury, like, you can swap, you can make some different decisions. Because sometimes you just got to, like, play, like, okay, I'm going to just play this defense that no one has been playing and just hope that, like, it works out.
0: So, to quickly summarize uh, that, this is, again, Andrew, I feel like we usually kind of have... Five or six of these spots like cemented for everyone. And it's a different week. I think uh, you know, you're a little bit more on your own than normal in cash this week. Make sure as always you check out our Friday evening edition of this podcast, also up Saturday morning, obviously, where we go through all these injuries because Antonio Gibson will probably become someone that we need to squeeze into these lineups if JD McKissick is out. And Sony Michelle as well, man. I mean, if we really want some salary relief, being able to pay play Sony at 4.3 K as the Rams lead back at home against the Jaguars that's going to be impossible uh, impossible to get out of. So try to go up and get Jonathan Taylor because we can save money on Jamal, potentially on Sony, potentially on Gibson. If not, go get yourself a Madison. Go get yourself some of those other wide receivers priced above 7K, excuse me, running backs priced above 7K because we have so many options at wide receiver between 5.5, 5.6K and getting up to that 6.6, 6.8K range because we can save all that money with Foster Moreau at tight end, some of the defenses as well, and potentially at quarterback with Tua Carson Wentz if you can't get all the way up to Brady. Sounds about right to you, Andrew. Sounds good to me, man. Gotta love it. Now time for some tournament talk. Now, completely different strategy. We were trying to win the Millie Maker, beat hundreds and thousands of other people. We gotta get get a little swifty here. We gotta get contrarian to try to take down these large field uh, tournaments. And, Andrew, you know, it can be an easy game sometimes, at least in terms of trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about here. And all I mean by that is, you know, you pick the running backs, the chalkiest players of the slate, and you basically go against them and look at what the rest of their offense is doing. And because of that, we have potentially a situation where people are going to be getting on brady why not go just a hundred dollars away to matthew stafford go get beckham jefferson cup higby whoever you want to with those pass catchers i guess the jaguars defense that can pressure but we come on we've seen them give up plenty of huge performances throughout this year and stafford to his credit, he does put together these 300 yard, three touchdown games where he might not look good as he does it, but then you see the stats at the end of the day, and you, you're feeling better about them. So last week he put up those numbers on the road in Green Bay. Obviously, quite a bit easier matchup here against the Jaguars. Could also be an even better uh Concharian tournament play if Henderson ends up being rolled out and we see Sony Michelle become the chalk. I also really like Kirk Cousins in these pass catchers all as a pivot off of Alexander Madison. We're already getting some reports, which you don't make sense I don't even think it's a report as much of like putting one and two together because without Dalvin Cook it would make sense if they let Kirk Cousins continue to throw the ball a little bit more often and you know it's not like he even needs to necessarily have that luxury against the Detroit Lions defense that has been horrendous against the past this year there's no easier quarterback wide receiver one wide receiver two stack to make than Cousins with Jefferson and Adam Thielen so I like Stafford I like Cousins Andrew, I see you want to get guys, you know, have a little bit more more mobility than uh, the uh, statues that I'm talking about in the pocket. What about one Lamar Jackson going against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that I think you're right, is pretty damn overrated?
1: Yeah, no, people just, you know, we've been conditioned for so many years to see that little PIT and uh, like abbreviation, be like, oh no, like you can't play any of the guys against (laughs) the Pittsburgh Steelers, like you can't do it. But look, Lamar Jackson is, and really it has to do with the, ownership projections he's at sub five percent like lamar jackson like the guy that is uh second in fantasy points per game and the guy that rush can rush for 100 yards in any single game like yeah he has looked terrible the last couple of weeks he's played okay but if you look at his fa- i mean like he still scored like 15 fantasy points He threw four interceptions in a game and he still like was okay enough to be like all right like he didn't score like less than 10 fantasy points like that's the type of ceiling combination that he offers every single week. Like, he totally sucked. And it didn't even matter. Like, he still was able to score some fantasy points. So imagine in a game where, okay, they're playing a Steelers defense that just has just been on the ropes. Like, they have not been able to stop anybody. TJ Watt, I believe, is on the COVID IR list, so I don't even know if he's going to play. It's like... Their pass rush has not been good this year and and it's teacher watts not even gonna be playing so I, I think that lamar jackson just makes so much sense here i think that the recency bias especially because they i believe was on two primetime games like it was that miami game he sucked in and then on that sunday night game against the browns he wasn't good in like interception basically on every single drive like in a row so it's like people are 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 segmented on that and i think that that's an advantage for you to buy again we want to pay for running back this week Okay, how do you get different? Oh, you just pay up for uh, fantasies like best quarterback. Like I-, I don't think it's really too hard to get behind Lamar Jackson as a solid play here. And I think that it's a fast-paced game. The Steelers run fast, and I think that we could see some points. Um, even though these are the types of games where we usually see defenses reign supreme, I don't think that will be the case here with Lamar Jackson, who's second or excuse me he third in fantasy points expected fantasy points per game in his last two matchups so i think that he'll bounce back here against the steelers and the other guy i like and i just kind of like this game environment is the raiders and football team Mm -hmm. again it has a high over under like i talked about earlier heineke um is a really cheap quarterback he is mobile so that's something that's part of his arsenal that just a lot of quarterbacks on this particular slate like just don't have necessarily again like why i like lamar jackson and I just think there's going to be points in this game. Like the Raiders' defense is not good. Like they've been exposed over the last couple weeks. You know, we've, we've talked about some of these defenses improving. The Raiders are going in the complete opposite direction. Like they're not getting better. <laughs> like they're definitely on the decline after starting off the season really hot. So Heineke, again, you know exactly who you need to stack him with. You compare him with Terry McLaurin. You compare him with a really cheap Logan Thomas. Okay, boom, and then you can even you can go double tight end. Uh, Logan Thomas, and a guy like Foster Moreau. And now you have a nice little stack. You can pay it for all the running backs you want. And I think it opens up a lot. And I think it's just a game that's, look, there are a couple weather concerns this week that we have with some of these games. Not in this game. It's in the dome. Like it's a, it's a West coast shootout. So I think that Heineke, even like Derek Carr, both guys I like in, in tournaments.
0: Just something to keep in mind with that weather. wind above all else. Once we see gusts going around that 20 mile per hour mark, that's where you start to worry with the pass catchers. Precipitation just historically has shown not to be that big of a deal in the absence of high wind speed. So really focus on that wind more than anything else. Two great calls, Andrew. And I think it just sets up nicely to where, you know, if you go with Lamar, obviously then you want to go with Mark Andrews, who at just 6K, it seems pretty underpriced as the potential number one pass game target during any given week. And then we got Marquise Brown a 6,500 hand in hand, getting us off some of those chalky receivers in that same group that we already talked about. When Bateman has been active this year, Lamar Jackson's top five targets number one, Marquise Brown with 50 targets, number two, Marky Andrews with 40. Bateman number three at 31. So Bateman's made, you know, made a lot of good use out of those targets. I'm not saying you can't play him this week. Just realize from a target perspective, Hollywood has still been the number one, even with Bateman back. And yeah, with Heineke, man, like Terry McLaurin is made for DFS tournaments. First or last, that's our goal here. Just like the great Ricky Bobby said once upon a time. And with McLaurin, like this year, he's finished as the wide receiver three, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, wide receiver nine. And then he hasn't had a finish better than the wide receiver 33. So it has been true boomer bust wide receiver two. And, you know, he might catch that shadow coverage from Casey Hayward. I think he's good enough to beat it. And if we can avoid it just for a little bit, their other guy, Brandon Fassion, I think I messed up his last name, but he is literally PFF single lowest graded <laughs> quarterback of the year. Not good. And Terry McLaurin should be able to eat even if he only gets a chance or two to do so. Moving on to these tournament running backs. Again, we can craft a awesome nar- an awesome narrative for any of these guys priced above 7 k So, Andrew, I, I agree with uh, what you have here in our handy-dandy notes where, like, Najee, Austin Eckler, whoever we see at the top of the pricing scale that starts, like, not having the higher ownership, just go with them because any of these guys can have a massive game. Just go after the guys that seemingly are going to be a little bit more relatively underowned. Like, Najee Harris could easily get 30 touches at home against a Ravens defense that is good, not great. Austin Eckler just needs to catch, you know, five, six balls. And hell, we know he can catch eight to 10 balls to be a slate breaker. So I like that call. But, you know, trying to save a little bit of money here potentially. I think that Josh Jacobs at 6K as a home favorite makes a lot of sense. It is an interesting game against Washington. And I think one thing a lot of people missed in that Thanksgiving game was how not only how good the Josh Jacobs usage was, but also that we were getting pregame reports from. Jason LaConfora about him, about the Raiders wanting to use Jacobs more and more as we go uh, down across the season because it's never been a matter of Jacobs like not having the ability to catch the ball. It's kind of like Antonio Gibson, man. Like we know Jacobs can be a rock solid three down back. He just hasn't really had that opportunity for most of his career. I know Washington isn't horrendous, but I'm still just not treating them as anything close to a good defense. Are they a bottom three unit in the league? No, they aren't. But Josh Jacobs, I think, always has multi-touchdown potential as a home favorite and uh yeah and he's also in that in that range where i think compared to henderson elijah mitchell james connor should have far less ownership than those guys and then finally it's gross but it is an odd number of weeks so miles gaskin 5.8k lookout Phillip Lindsey has not been practicing this week, which I don't know that it matters a ton anyway. 10 of Lindsay's 12 carries last week came in the second half with that game mostly out of reach already. And Wick Gaskin, I mean, again, it's gross, but we have him sitting as a nice home favorite against the Giants. And once again, he's in that same range where everyone should be looking to get to Gibson, get to Mitchell, get some of these chalkier guys as opposed to a disgusting Dolphins running back. So... Miles Gaskin, Josh Jacobs, and I think at the top, you know, go try to get quirky uh, in between who the most owned guys are going to be. Seems like Najee and Eckler might be the best ways to get around that. Now, Andrew, you also got another guy down here who I agree with. His name is David Montgomery. He's had dream usage over the past few weeks. Just hasn't gotten it done. But maybe, just maybe, this is the week.
1: Yeah, because you know, you're you're trying to find the next. All right, so two weeks ago it was Jonathan Taylor, you know, fifty point game. You know, last week was Leonard Fournette with a forty point game. Like, how do you find these guys? Like, what are they, like, what's the the skeleton key to finding these players? <laughs> and it's the guys that are seeing the dual threat usage, like the guys that are running all the routes. You know on the quarterback dropbacks like maybe not necessarily seeing the targets quite yet or else they would be priced up higher and they'd be scoring more fantasy points but they you know they're getting that usage just haven't necessarily translated to success and that's like what I see with Dave Montgomery like he's been running routes at a really really high rate on all the Bears dropbacks like we know he has the three down skill set like they're not using any other running back in that offense and yes the Cardinals are you know they they rank you know season long good against running backs but a lot of that has to do with you know, because they're winning games and, you know, they're not giving up a lot of rushing yards. But, you know, who's good against running backs? Oh, the Colts before they played Leonard Fournette. Oh, you know, who's good against running backs? Oh, the Bills before they played Jonathan Taylor. Like, <laughs> like we, we, we've learned this lesson so many times that it's like, it doesn't matter, like, what the running back matchup is. Like, if the guy's going to see 20, 25 touches, like, they have as good a chance as any running back to score all those fantasy points. So that's why we want to be on Najee Harris when he's at 3% roster ship because the guy can touch the ball 30 times. And yeah, he's been a bust the last couple of weeks, but we, no one's going to be surprised when he goes off against the Ravens when he touches the ball 30 times. So, like, same thing with David Montgomery. Like, I think this Cardinals defense actually ranks last in explosive run rate allowed, and a part of it's just because they haven't necessarily given up a lot of total rushing yards, but when they do, they give them up in chunks. So, I think David Montgomery makes a lot of sense. We've seen his passing game work. Increase if Andy Dalton is under center, which it kind of looks like it's going to be. Okay, that's more targets to the running back position. Like you're not seeing Justin Fields necessarily drop back and run around and scramble and call his own number. We've done the math. You know, when you have a mobile quarterback under center, you just see less targets to the running back position so more targets for dave montgomery like that's what you need like you need the dual usage of receiving and rushing dave montgomery has that i think he's just kind of getting lost in the shuffle with all these other running backs that you can play i think montgomery's gonna get overlooked Najee, like i mentioned and then austin eckler i think that eckler just makes sense because you know from a matchup perspective it seems like all right well i'd rather just put jonathan taylor or I'll just play joe mixon it's like i would probably just rather play those two guys like that's where roster ship is really starting to gather towards whereas Austin Eckler, like he is like the perfect pivot off of those other types of players. Like you can bring him instead of, you know, stacking the Chargers' passing attack. You can then stack the Bengals' passing attack, which is much cheaper. It's a way to get off of Joe Mixon, who's popular. And instead, you play Austin Eckler as the bringback. Like Eckler makes so much sense in a high-scoring environment using the passing game. We all know the Bengals have been the worst team in terms of most targets allowed running backs this season so i think eckler is a really good leverage play off those other two expensive running backs and really that's been the key with these high these running backs hitting you know leonard fournette was just a clear leverage play last week off the buccaneers passing attack and it kind of that's why it works so well in tournaments so i think that eckler kind of fits a similar mold especially with him not being super popular
0: Just so you guys know, we are not making up the projected ownership numbers. We have that tool over at at PFF.com slash DFS slash ownership. Right now, our top five highest projected backs. Number one, Jonathan Taylor, 28.8%. Jamal Williams, number two, at 17.5%. Joe Mixon and Alexander Madison at 14.1%. And James Conner at 14%. I would assuredly expect... Antonio Gibson to be up in that range if Jaden McKissick ends up being ruled out. And that's when we're starting to see, again, all these you know guys priced between 5.4, 5.9K, you know maybe low 6Ks, or we're going up into the 7K range. So the more you can just get away from those options who are very good. We all understand why they're highly owned, but it's not that there's anything that wrong with the other guys that give us that sweet, sweet tournament leverage we are always chasing. Now, Andrew, with the receivers, I want DeAndre Hopkins again. I, this Let's go. He's too cheap. I think he's going to have the full-time role. The matchup is just fine. Give me DeAndre Hopkins at six point two. I also think Chase Claypool at six K could make some sense. We know the air yards are there every single week. Like Big Ben is going to continue throwing him hospital balls until you know there's one second left on the clock, regardless of how uh, far down they are in the game. It's just a matter if he can come up with them. So I just think Claypool, the role he kind of has, is really uh, uh, conducive for tournament games. I know it's gross, but that's why he's going to continue to be uh, under. pressure relative to a lot of guys. I like Deshaun Jackson at 4.2k potentially, but at the same time he's now popping up on the injury report, missing a practice with a calf. Like I don't know, man. Rap she's trying to say it's not that big of a deal, but I'm not sure. He also said that uh, the Seahawks are in win now mode because they signed Adrian Peterson. Like come come the hell on, man. Like that's 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 my beef, Andrew. Like if some of these reporters like just report your news and you do a great job with it just please if you would just save yourself with this extra add on you know descriptors some of these guys I think uh, they get a lot less shit on Twitter but it is what it is Uh, some other guys Elijah Moore at 5.5k to get off some of the Rams receivers in that same price range and same thing with Darnell Mooney at 5.6 like we're seeing with the Iuks, with the Michael Pittmans I think that's kind of like our similar running back range that we were just talking about wanting to get off those guys I think we can do the same thing with Darnell Mooney 5.6 K Allen Robinson likely out again and Mooney like he should just if you just look at the prices compared to like our season-long rankings Mooney's gonna beat that price point every single time and then with Elijah Moore like yeah he finally dudded I know Zach Wilson's under center but like when he was dudding with Zach Wilson earlier in the year a lot of the problem was more just so his underlying usage. like Corey Davis was the only clear-cut number one receiver in New York it's looking like he's not going to be playing again this week. At least right now, Elijah is starting. He's playing the most snaps. He had a team high eight targets last week. And again, getting off those chalkier guys, I think it makes a lot of sense with Elijah. So again, Elijah Moore and Darno Mooney to get off some of the chalkier guys in that 5K range. Also like going up a little bit higher DeAndre Hopkins again and don't sleep on Chase Claypool. Now, Andrew, we're back. We got our guy, OBJ. Again, I mentioned before, uh, Matthew Stafford, one of my favorite quarterbacks. I think really you can go with both OBJ and Van Jefferson here because as great as Cooper Cup is, as great as Cooper Cup will continue to put up numbers, we did see last week that Stafford is not against just spreading around pretty evenly to all three guys.
1: Yeah, I I really like OBJ in this spot in particular. If you look at the way that the Jaguars have given up a lot of their high-end efficiency, they're actually ranked dead last in terms of, passer rating generated on targets to receivers lined up on the perimeter. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting because they use Van Jefferson a lot more in the slot than they ever did just last week. So I think that's kind of what their plan is moving forward with OBJ now kind of fully activating the offense. He's the primary boundary wide receiver where you have Van Jefferson kind of mixing into the slot, similar to how they use Robert Woods. So again, Van Jefferson kind of helping get the other guys open. Again, obviously he came, he delivered last week with the big touchdown. But if I had to pick between one of those Rams receivers, just like if I was playing them, you know, in a solo, not necessarily a game stack, I think that Odo Beckham would be the guy I would play. And I think that some people just like still like hate to play Odo Beckham. Like pe- like season long people that dropped him and like saw him catch a touchdown. They're like, oh, I can't play this guy. So <laughs> there's no way I can go back to him. So I think Beckham, yeah, I think he's, he's pretty volatile you know, again. And I know he has a he's dealing with some injury as well. And it would not surprise me all to see him just like get, I don't know, like, especially with the way that the Rams it seems like they're kind of banged up all over the place. But um I do think that Beckham makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's just too cheap. Like he had a really high target share last week, which I like to see 24%, you know, 98% route participation. So Beckham makes a lot of sense for me. And then paying up, like Justin Jefferson, man, like, it's just – I get, like, the – you know, in all the simulations that we could run, you know, Adam Thielen, there is one world where he just doesn't catch all the touchdowns. Like, I know, like, that exists in some realm of possibility, but never in the one when I don't think I've ever played Adam Thielen because I'm like, dude, like, he's so touchdown dependent. It's like, well, like, that's why he's good, Andrew. Like, maybe he should just, like, eat it and just, like, admit that – 24 just... <laughs> in his
0: last 26
1: games. That is bonkers, man. You know, you know how many touchdowns he actually has against uh, the Lions? It's actually surprising – it's not, it's like none. Like he has two. Oh. It's, it's so, it's so weird. Like you think of all the teams that Thielen <laughs> would just like, oh, go absolutely nuclear against. Like the Lions is the one team that the dude just doesn't blow up against.
0: There's, a, there's actually another funny storyline with the Lions. We were talking about Madison um, before uh, and everything and uh, had a really funny reply to a tweet I had about him from at the FF Hustle, uh, shout out Shad, where he pointed out that two of Madison's four Awesome games were against Detroit, and three of the last four games he's exploded without Dalvin were against Detroit. So it might be time to have the conversation: Is Dalvin Cook afraid of Lions, and maybe Adam (laughs) Thielen as well? Andrew, it's all coming together.
1: (laughs) It's all coming together. So just it just means one thing: Just play Justin Jefferson. I mean, the guys like look if if he had just like been, been able to you know handle one of those end zone targets he got, that Adam Thielen wouldn't have caught all the touchdowns last week. It was like oh like. You know, Kirk Cousins went to Justin Jefferson didn't work. All right, oh, I'll just go back to Thielen. All right, touchdown. Like that's how it kind of works. So, I mean, the guy's seeing so many areas. I believe he leads the NFL in air yards after 12 weeks. So he's seen all the high value touches. And I get that his production is a little bit more up and down where you wouldn't pay up for him in cash. But I just think that he's in a smash spot here. You know, he went up for a bu- over a buck 20 the last time he played the lines. Just didn't find the end zone. So again, if Madison is super super popular, I think that'll just suppress Jefferson just enough where you get a little bit of an edge of playing him. I know you like Chase Claypool. I like the other. Chase Jamar Chase. Look, look, you know, after the bye week, it was Tyler Boyd. He had the game. All right, cool. Last week it was T Higgins. All right, cool, cool. All right. This is me. All right, Jamar <laughs> Chase. Like, here we go. Like the rotation is here. Like, Joe Mix can eat every single week. We're gonna get one Bengals wide receiver to get there. And I think it's gonna be finally time for Jamar Chase to kind of get back up to where he was in the beginning of the season. Yes, he has regressed significantly because he was at an unsustainable pace to start the year. But he's regressed enough. Like Chase, it just needs to stop. Like you need to get back up to what you were doing earlier in the season. I think that is just a really good spot for him. I know the Chargers look really good from a season-long perspective in terms of fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But the thing with Chase is, again, he had seven air yards last week. Like that's not going to happen again. Like that's such an outlier number where you can't just look at last week like, oh well, you know, he's never going to get another deep target ever again. It's like no, 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 it's not the case. Chargers ranked 30th explosive pass player. Pass play rate allowed to wide receivers since week eight. They've given up a lot of big games recently. So I think their defense has been a little bit exposed. I know that they're a little bit banged up in the secondary. So... I think this is finally the spot where we see jamar chase blow up again at 7k i mean his receiving prop is super super low like people are just down on him in general when it's just like okay well joe mixon has been getting like 30 carries per game like sorry like the receivers are going to get hurt um of course if if the running back is seeing so many touches so i think jamar chase i know i've i think i've talked to him for the last couple of times he's been doing nothing but we know he can break the slate at any time i think that this is a spot where um i mean i've seen his projected ownership sometimes like below five percent so I just think it makes a lot of sense, especially with a Joe Burrow stack. In a game, that should be pretty high scoring between the Bengals and Chargers.
0: I mean, for weeks, we were just making the point that the target totals, and in nine games with T. Higgins, he has 67 targets, Chase has 65, and then next closest is Tyler Boyd at 45. We were just waiting for it to go back around to Higgins, and it has. So what's going to happen next? So will go right back around to Chase. I think you're spot on. And I made the same point about this Chargers secondary not being as strong over the past month in my weekly wide receiver cornerback breakdown that you can find at PFF.com. And we've had Deontay Johnson go for 101 yards and a touchdown. Claypool had 93 yards. Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 143 yards. He's flipping the ball at Keenan Allen after making another big catch downfield. Even Devontae Smith only needed six targets to get five catches, 116 yards, and a score against this Chargers secondary. Yeah, love that call with Chase. Final note before we move on to tight ends, Andrew, Are we sleeping on the Seattle receivers? Because Metcalf, you know, you said it with Chase, like that performance is not going to happen again where he has three air yards. I don't think we're going to see Metcalf getting four or fewer targets again. I know this offense has looked broke, but Russell Wilson did look a little bit better throwing the ball last week. You know, they're bringing in old man Adrian Peterson. But with that said, like, they're having so much negative game script to begin with. We've seen Metcalf only need five or six targets anyway to have these two touchdown games. San Francisco, they're good, not great. Are we sleeping on Metcalf and Lockett a little bit too much? Uh,
1: I don't think so, no. I mean, I I think that... (laughs) I, it's like, okay, so like Metcalf, like what, like what is his actual like ceiling? Like I get like hundred plus I,
0: yards and two touchdowns, but,
1: but like it is. So even like this year, so let's look. He had that game against Jacksonville where he had two touchdowns. He scored twenty two fantasy points. Like that's good, but like that's not that's not like oh I'm gonna win a tournament because you have DK Metcalf. Like earlier in the season, he had twenty seven against the Rams, twenty five against the Vikings in the same matchup against the Forty ers he had 16 fantasy points. Like, I, I just, like, don't know. Like, this offense is just so bad in general. Yeah. Like, it's not even about Russ. Like, we could see, like, DK Metcalf, like, have, like, a good game for, like, season long. And you're like, okay, like, sick. Like, I played him, and I don't, like, want to hurt myself. Like, this <laughs> is great. But I just don't know if, like, Seattle just... They're, the way they play it just so it just sucks the fun out of all of the game like the game atmosphere and then you have Kyle Shannon on the other side he's like all right baby Elijah Mitchell 30 touches here we go I think the, the game environment just sucks uh, Seattle runs so slow in terms of pace uh you know pace of play so again it's like yeah it could be a Metcalf game and then like but like what does that mean so I don't think I mean I don't really have any interest in playing the Seahawks honestly I really haven't played them at all all year and and so far it's been a a winning strategy or at least a not losing strategy to not play them so especially with Gerald Everett just kind of like more involved a little bit late again I don't think he's going to continue to lead the team in targets um, going forward especially because the 49ers are a better team against tight ends but nah man there's so many other plays I want to play and I just I'm not I'm not willing to take a, a stab on these Seahawks guys
0: I don't think you're wrong there is I think people are freaking out a little bit too much about Rush just being like incapable of throwing a football look at what Tyler Lockett's done the last two weeks he only has 10 targets he's caught seven of them for a good as I'm doing the math in my head like 220 yards like they've connected on several several deep balls we just haven't gotten the volume but to your point I'm not so sure that the 49ers are going to bring exactly the sort of you know high-paced, high-scoring uh game to the table that we'd be hoping for. Maybe in week 15 against the Rams, but we'll worry about that conversation when it comes time for it. Quickly on tight end Andrew Pretty easy, cheap tight end pivot off of Moreau to James O'Shaughnessy if you want to do it. There's a lot of other guys to talk yourself into. Like when Foster Moreau is going to demand this much ownership, you can literally talk yourself into, I think, every other tight end as a reasonable enough tournament play just from the ownership perspective. Obviously, you know, we're not going to sit here and tout 20 tight ends, though. We got to take a stand on someone. And I do like the idea of going to some of these guys in that 4K to 5K range that have the roles we want. They just haven't necessarily put up the production in recent weeks. Mike Jasicki at 5.1. I mentioned before, I like Tua. Not afraid of this giant secondary at all. Dallas Goddard at 4.5K. Gives you a chance where if you want to say, hey... Let's get Jalen Hurts in the lineup. He has an ankle injury. We're not going with him in cash. But as a tournament play, we know Hurts is more capable than just about anyone of ripping off that QB1 performance. Feel free to stack him with Devontae or his other number one, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call him, receiver in Dallas Goddard. And then finally, Logan Thomas at just 4K. Like, he should have the true full-time 100% snap roll back this week. And even if he doesn't, he was already at 79% last week. I maintained that was a touchdown he caught. Like I'm just not sure how they ruled that not to be. But whatever, it might keep his ownership down for another week. So Logan Thomas, Mike Jasicki, and Dallas Goddard are kind of mid-range guys I'm looking at. Uh, Andrew, who are you kind of seeing at tight end this week?
1: No, I, I like the call on Logan Thomas again. It's a really good matchup against the Raiders. Second most fantasy points allowed to tight ends per game, and I mean, like he's basically like, who's the number two receiver on, on the football team? Like Curtis Samuel, like, like <laughs> you know, t- you know, four route run Curtis Samuel or whatever he was doing. Like, like I don't know, but uh, I, I wish he would just like play, man. Like, just let the guy play, or if he's not healthy, I don't know. It's it's, it's concerning. I just wish Curtis Samuel would get healthy. I but I, I think that Logan Thomas makes a lot of sense again. You know, from a 4K, like, I mean, if he's running, you know, 90% of the routes, then, like, I mean, he's basically a wide receiver. So, getting him at 4K, k know we talked about how ugly it is but below, below 5K for wide receivers. Okay, boom. Like, you got to start looking at some of these tight ends that, you know, look at their actual role and be like, you know what? They're really kind of used to being more as a wide receiver. They line up in the slot a lot. Like, I don't feel so gross about playing two tight ends, especially because I really think it's hard to get away from a row, like, alone. But I think that's why. You could play moreau with a george kittle like george kittle like we know i talked about it with obviously the IUK, where devo samuel's out of the lineup and we see just their target share just increase substantially we've already seen kittles routes like increase a lot over the last two weeks up to 87 percent and that that hasn't always been the case like people always talk about oh Kittle, such good blocker and we're like from fantasy we're like oh like this sucks like come <laughs> on man like, like 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 let's get this guy unleashed so if it isn't an Ayuk game, which Ayuk is going to probably be the more popular of the two guys, especially with ownership going towards Foster Moreau, I mean, George Kittle, like, we won't be surprised if we look back on the Week 13 slate and be like, wow, like, why didn't we play more George Kittle? Like, there was no Devo Samuel, and he scored 30 points. Like, what were we thinking against Seattle's defense? So, I think Kittle, as a high-ceiling play at tight end, uh, makes, makes a lot of sp- sense in this spot.
0: I like the two tight end call with Kittle and Moreau because at that point, like, that, tw- that there's no cheap wide receiver, like, to have. So I know it kind of sucks to eat the chalk with Moreau, but it does open up your lineup to so many other, I think, possibilities that, you know, it's okay if you have one or two chalky players in your lineup. You don't need to be trying to get every single guy in a tournament like a sub-10% ownership or anything. So good point by you, Mr. Erickson. Quickly on the defense, as always, I just try to run through some situations where I think you can stack the RB1, who may or may not be a super chalky player, with their defense when they're facing a team that we could see it go hand-in-hand, defense dominating, maybe a bad quarterback, running back getting up in the game and doing his thing as well. So some qualifiers for that, Devontae Freeman and the Ravens defense going up against Big Ben's corpse, James Conner and the Cardinals going up against either the Red Rocket or Justin Fields, Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins going up against Daniel Jones or Mike. Mike Glennon, and just you know, the jokes write themselves with the next strain potentially lead, leading to uh, Mike Glennon being under center. Uh, either way, we're feeling good. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders going against Heineke and the Washington Football Team, and finally a guy we didn't mention at all, but does have a true workhorse role. Saquon Barkley in the Giants defense going up against Tua and the Dolphins, who, hey, I think Miami's going to roll here, but, you know, I do think it's a fairly fraudulent four-game winning streak they're on. Wouldn't it be the craziest thing I've ever seen if Saquon busts a big run or two, Giants managed to come away with a victory. I think they're two bad football teams at the end of the day, so let's not be too confident in our ability to predict the future, particularly in some of these tournaments. Any final notes on defense, Andrew?
1: No, I think, just think, uh, again, if Antonio Gibson becomes really popular, I yeah. think it just, again, you, know, you can still stack with the football team. I don't know how mm. popular that TST is going to be. So they're cheap at 2500 I like them in cash as one of the safer defenses. So I think that they are in play there. And then the Bengals, you know, stack them with Joe Mixon. People may be hesitant to play the Bengals defense because they're playing Justin Herbert, who is pretty popular in the quarterback ranks this week, and rightfully so. It's a shootout, but the Bengals defense – it's been a lot better this year. You know, they're popping in the PFF projections. They like them a lot. So, look, Herbert has a lot of big ceiling games. He also has a lot of games where he, like, doesn't look nearly as well. So, if this is a game where he struggles a little bit more, then you can see the Bengals' DST paying off at low rostership.
0: I mean, we saw them dominate Pittsburgh last week. And I think a big reason why is if you can't force them to, like, defend a deep ball – it gets problematic. Shadobia Wouzier, Mike Hilton had a nice pick six. Like, they're great. They usually put Eli Apple kind of on like the more field stretcher type. And if you don't have a quarterback that can get the ball out there, it's a, it's a problem. Now, Justin Herbert can obviously get the ball out there. They just don't. Either he doesn't or Lombardi. They don't care about it. Mike Williams had 13 targets that were at least 20 yards downfield in weeks one through six. He has three in weeks eight through 12 combined. So like they just don't care about stretching the field. It looks great for Keenan Allen, for Austin Eckler. Like we see them just racking up the receptions and targets and we're fine with that in fantasy land. But as the overall Chargers offense is concerned, I don't think it's in their best interest. Andrew, favorite stack, I will be going first here. I do not have a quarterback. Because I'm going with Josh Jacobs, that Raiders defense, and looping it back around with Terry McLaurin. It is a great game environment. I'm not saying Washington's going to get shut out or anything like that. But again, Heineke, I do think, is an erratic enough quarterback from what we've seen from him in his first full season as a starter. That we know he can have these down games. Max Crosby and company do force a lot of pressure. You know, can his secondary hold up well? Maybe, maybe not. At least we have someone in Terry McLaurin who we know can put together these top 10 performances like clockwork. And I already talked about Josh Jacobs playing before. So Jacobs that Raiders D, bring it back with Terry McLaurin. What is your favorite stack of the week, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with a simple three-man stack. You know, one quarterback wide receiver pair with one bringback and it's going to be Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Austin Eckler. Nice. I think that you see the game script where the Bengals get up and it's Austin Eckler, you know, having two players Catch a lot of check down passes from Justin Herbert. We've seen him have a massive target share the last four weeks. And like I mentioned earlier, the Bengals have allowed the most targets to running backs. So it's like Austin Eckler. He should be more popular. But just with all the great running back plays, he just might fly a little bit under the radar.
0: I think some of that stat has to do with like them facing Najee Harris twice. But at the same time, like that means they're allowing those types of completions uh, to be you know, thrown and usually completed. And when we have Austin Eckler, not using the exact same manner as Najee, but also occupying that area of the field, that's when I'm okay kind of using that metric to, again, uh, correspond with Eckler having a big day. So, you know, I I wouldn't be sitting here if they were facing the Patriots saying like, oh, Damon Harris is going to catch all these passes this week against the Bengals. But when it is like a closer one-to-one comp with Najee versus Eckler, I think it's a very fair point. And now for the main event, everybody. The prop profit himself, Andrew Erickson. 15 and 8 on the season, just giving you guys winners each and every week. I feel like you haven't even had a two loss week yet, always at least one and one at the worst. Last week you hit Elijah Moore over 43 and a half receiving yards. You guys might have thought he busted. Not if he took that ridiculous uh receiving yards prop. He finished with 46 yards. And we also had Alex Collins under 47 and a half. He finished with just 14 rushing yards on the day. What do you have for the people this week, Andrew?
1: Yeah, the Alex Collins one, folks, that was, that was easy money. that, that money. one That one was easy money. Um, all right. It was, so- like, it was like
0: that SpongeBob episode <laughs> where Patrick is just giving away free money. That's what the Alex Collins <laughs> under that
1: was. Exactly. Could not have said it better myself. So this week, uh, we're going to do some more unders. Uh, LaVisca Chenault. So we're going to go under 45 and a half receiving yards. So, look, <laughs> Chenault's getting targets. That's great. That's fine. But, like, he's just getting such inaccurate targets from trevor lawrence it's just not it's not worth it anymore like so he basically so he's eclipsed 45 and a half receiving yards once since week eight 50 receiving yards and that's despite him seeing an 18 percent target share in his last four games so he's seeing like a high end of targets but his dot ranks 100th out of 108 this season so they're all like super close to the line of scrimmage make it so he basically has to like turn into adrian peterson with the ball in his hand and like break a bunch of tackles to basically get there for receiving so we saw nine targets last week like oh andrew like you're fading out nine targets like what are you doing it's like yeah against the falcons defense he got 33 yards like what are we missing here folks like i'm just like I i cannot bet the over on just such an inefficient receiver and it's not even really his fault for the most part like I don't think they're really using him in the right way. So, I just don't think... I mean, I've been betting unders on Jacksonville passing props seemingly like all year <laughs> long. and It has not failed, Except on Dan Arnold, of course. Like, Dan Arnold, of course, all, of all overs on Dan Arnold. The James Leshaughnessy's prop has yet to be released, so stay tuned for that. But, I also don't like the matchup. You know, wide receiver, cornerback. You know, Jalen Ramsey does spend a lot of time, decent time in the slot. So, again, like, it's one of the worst matchups in terms of efficiency for Chanel If he does see any coverage from Jalen Ramsey, I don't think... Ramsey. I mean, Ramsey, he's not going to, like, shadow cover Marvin. It just no. really doesn't matter. Like, this whole, like, re- Jacksonville Jaguars passing offense, I don't know if they're going to really do much against the Rams. So all sides point to Chenault going under in re- Week 13. So I'm going to take the under on his 45-and-a-half receiving yards. And then the other guy here is Josh Allen, also under 265-and-a-half passing yards. So... This Monday night game between the Bills and Patriots, to me, just looks like an absolute, like, slog. Like, it does not seem like a game where we're going to see a ton of points. Again, we've talked about just this year in general how points have just been less. Like, there's just been less scoring in general across the NFL. Again, part of that's just due to natural regression because last year was, like, the most points scored ever. But, look, you have two defenses that rank both really highly in terms of passing yards allowed per game. The Bills are number one in the league, under 190. Patriots are at 220. So 2nd lowest projected total on the slate at 44 points. And, I mean, Josh Allen has hit over 265 passing yards once in his last five games. So I'm like, okay, like he's playing the best defense against like passing. Like what, like what are we doing here? Like trying to take the over on Josh Allen. Like, they've talked about weather being a factor in this game. It's going to be at night in, in Buffalo. So I, I just don't think Allen's going to be able to hit the over on this. And just the game environment itself, like Mac Jones – his prop is at 220 and a half yards. He's hit that once in his last five games. Diggs has gone over 75 and a half receiving yards once in his last five games. So, it just seems like in this particular game, like if you're going to like parlay, it, just like take all unders and just like turn off the game and like go to bed. Like, like <laughs> maybe like that's the move. she's like, I just want nothing to happen in this game and then I'll be happy and wake up profitable. But, of course, as a Patriots fan, I will be dialed into this game and just rooting for three and outs all day long at a Patriots 9 to 9 to nothing win off of uh Nick Folk's foot. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to that. But, yeah, I think Josh Allen under passing yards, 265. Uh, I think that's the move here.
0: Yeah, keep an eye. I was just looking up the weather for this one now. It's looking like in Buffalo, Monday night, at least 10 p.m., per Google, really uh, getting into my (laughs) forecast or stuff here. I see the wind sitting at 19 miles per hour. Seems like that could be a a factor. And, you know, I brought up Terry McLaurin being a boom bust guy this year. Josh Allen has always been a great fantasy quarterback, so I'm not saying that uh, he's like someone to really worry about in terms of your season long or anything, but he's been super erratic all year long, even for him. In week one, he was our 16th highest graded quarterback in PFF passing grade. Since then, he's either been in the top 10 or he's been 24th or so like if Josh Allen just completely can't you know shits himself against the Patriots and has no idea how to move the ball passing like that's happened this year against some worse defenses so I think uh, that's a good point and you know usually as fun as it is to bet those overs uh, the unders usually I think is where we've seen the sharp money coming in so Lavisca Chenault under 45 and a half receiving yards Josh Allen under. 265 and a half passing yards from the prop profit himself. You can also find plenty of Andrew's other work on pff.com. He's got to start them, sit them out buy low and sell high targets based on high value opportunities, Fantasy football rankings, waiver wire pickups and your DFS cheat sheet will be out by the time this podcast is as well. You can find my mismatch manifesto wide receiver, cornerback breakdown, breaking down all 32 NFL backfields and my week 13 quarterback predictions as well. Andrew, anything else you want to go off your chest?
1: Oh, just give me a follow on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. I'm also on TikTok, I'm trying Ooh. to you know build the audience there. Same, same, same na- username at Andrew Erickson underscore. I try to have fun on that platform as much as I can because sometimes, sometimes Twitter just isn't always fun, and I don't like that. I want Twitter to be a fun place for everybody. So if I need to get away, I go to the TikTok streets, and and that's fun there. So I like the music you can put into your videos.
0: I like it, man. I saw one for PFF Lily, and I just haven't looked at it in <laughs> weeks now. I need to... It probably
1: uh... has already, like, thousands and thousands of followers. <laughs> I doubt it, but who knows? We'll, uh, we'll
0: worry about that uh, new media stream the other day. I don't look at anything else, man. I stopped looking at Facebook in uh, 2016 when all my friends, who I barely you know cared about their opinions anyway, just became political experts, so I stopped going on that. And I'm yet to make an Instagram because I just still think that that's going to take away a lot of my time as well. So I don't disagree with you. Uh, Twitter can be a little bit too hostile uh, sometimes, but hopefully, uh, you know, TikTok can maybe be the savior uh, for me down the road. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. For Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you as so always for tuning in this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.